How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and on the show today, we have got broadcast journalism legend and war correspondent Edward R. Murrow and Marvel Comics icon, the man who created almost every amazing Marvel character that you can think of, the Stan Lee. We got them both on the show, and if you like this episode, you're going to want to check out the performers. Uh, Edward R. Murrow, you can see him uh, on his improv team, Sexy Baby, at the Magnet Theater, and uh, you can check out uh, Stan Lee on Twitter, at DPacheco, and also, uh, yeah, no, I think that's it. So, yeah. You know that you can check out the freshest episodes every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You know that you can hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. You know that you can buy copies of my book on the internet and also on my website. I'm selling uh, signed autographed copies. And you can rate and review the podcast and tell your friends and stuff like that. My website, JarrettBerenstein.com, for all the latest updates on upcoming projects and live shows. New videos on my Facebook fan page and on my YouTube every Tuesday. And the big news, guys. Stand Up 2020, the voting rights comedy benefit show that I am launching with three of my favorite stand-up comedians, Selena Kopic, Allison Klemp, and Matt Nadostup. Our, we, our first one is this Friday, Friday, November 1st at 7 p.m. at the Pitt Theater on 24th Street in New York City. Uh, proceeds are going to benefit awesome voting rights organizations like Headcount, like Fair Fight, like Spread the Vote, and uh, we're going to be registering voters at the show. And the big news... Our headliner is motherfucking David Cross. You know David fucking Cross, guys. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be super dope, and it's for a great cause. So check out Stand Up 2020. It's going to be a monthly, so you missed this one. Don't worry about it. We got others. Uh, but David Cross is not going to be at those, so fucking get there. Friday, November 1st at 7 p.m. at the Pitt Theater on 24th Street in New York City, East 24th Street. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just look for Stand Up 2020, guys. It's going to be all over the place. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Stan Lee and Edward R. Murrow only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know, famous dead people, famous dead people, famous stories stuck in the head. My guests today on Famous Dead People are American broadcast journalist and war correspondent, famous for his sign off, good night and good luck, the man who took down Joseph McCarthy, Edward R. Murrow. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Edward and, R. Murrow. And 20th century comic book writer, the primary creative leader behind Marvel Comics for two decades, co-creator of iconic characters such as Spider-Man, the Hulk, and Daredevil, Stan Martin Lieber, a.k.a. Stan Lee. Excelsior, true believers. Uh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Murrow, thank you so much for being with us here today on Famous Dead it's People. It's my sincere thank pleasure you, to Jared, be here, It's a pleasure Jared. to be here. You know, I'd like to start off by asking both of you about your sign-off. Yes. So you, of course, had Excelsior, yes. Stan Lee, and Edward R. Murrow, your, your famous sign-off, good night and good luck. I read... That that was something that the people in England would say to each other during the bombing raids during World War II. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. People were not sure if they would live through the night. They might be dead the next day. So they said to each other, good night and good luck. And I just straight up stole it. <laughs> okay. Because I was having trouble thinking of a good catchphrase. Because you wanted one. You wanted something to sign off Absolutely. With. Okay. A newsman is not a newsman without a catchphrase. Interesting. Well, I know Cronkite had one as well. I know you, there's some bad blood. Don't get me started on Cronkite. I know. I, uh, I don't like to curse on the air. Okay. Well, you But know. that little son of a bitch... 
Whoa, shit. There, I just did it. Do you remember I'm what sorry, his, ladies and gentlemen. Do you remember what his sign-off was? I forget. I had him on the show. Oh, I think I remember. It's, I'm Walter Cronkite, and I suck. <laughs> sounds about right. That sounds about right for that little scamp. Tell me about some other... Did you try other things? So you're, like, over there in... Uh, Europe, uh, yep. reporting during the beginning of World War II. This is where you really cut your teeth. Exactly. And so I'm imagining that as a radio reporter, you are trying a bunch of different sign-offs until yes. you find the one that, that you feel works. You yes, know? exactly. So can we and, hear some of the other ones, some of the other options? Yeah, well, first of all, good night, Gracie was taken. <laughs> I tried that one. Uh, Oi, mate, get your fingers off my pint, because I was in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I like oi, mate, just like by itself. I should have used off. that. If you just cut it off before, get your fingers off my pint. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like this get your is... fingers off my pint. <laughs> well, there you go. See, it's it was too jam packed with great stuff. Yeah. You can other have too much other catchphrases that I tried, uh, and that's the stuff that I just said just now. <laughs> uh, I like it punchy. You know, it's truth. I'm mm-hmm. all about truth as a newsman. I like that, yeah. I, I, I was just imagining, like, you know, I'm Edward R. Morrow. Oi, mate. <laughs> I like that. I think that sounds good. I'm or, Edward R. Morrow. Try, you want to try it? Get your fingers off my pint. Now, see, if I heard that, I would think that you were always reporting from, like, a bar, and every time you were finishing up your reporting just because someone was trying to take your beer away from you. That's I true. I think you'd get it after the second or third time. Maybe, or maybe you just think that, like, about this guy... Is always getting his beer stolen from him. I didn't know. go to a bar until after the news was done. Until after, because you're a professional. I am a professional. Uh, okay, so uh, let's go over to Excelsior, yes. Stan Lee. Let's, let's talk about what that means, where your catchphrase Simple came from. Simple story. Mm-hmm. I was up in the Catskills with my family. My brother's wife and I were playing Scrabble together. Mm-hmm. And I won and Jared... Dollars to donuts. You can guess what my winning word was. was it With twenty-seven points, that word was Excelsior. Did you hit a triple word score for twenty-seven points? I certainly did. Well Nine times three. Done. Excellent. Excelsior. And I indeed. jumped up. And I said Excelsior. I really wonder if the math works out on that. If anybody listening actually well, has an X is worth ten points. I scrabble. <laughs> Definitely not accurate then. Well, you know, uh, okay. you mythologize the past. But here's the thing, you know, maybe the points were different back then, you know, like inflation. Yeah. Yep. Inflation. They, but, it's a real thing. Yeah. You know, maybe. Does it mean anything, Excelsior? Did, uh, or did it have it meaning to you? Even? To me, it meant victory over your enemies. Victory and over your enemies. And my brother's wife was my enemy. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> so it, a real it was, Cronkite, that oh, one. Oh, it was a very uh, satisfying win in many ways. I that word. It. That Ex- word really, really checked off a lot of boxes. I understand. Excelsior, indeed. And it's almost like, because you would write like these, um, you know, you would write for little little things in your Marvel comic books, like notes from the editor, that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. And you would sign it off with Excelsior. It's almost like a re-fuck you to your sister I knew she read. I knew she read the she comics. She read the comics? Oh, she was a, she was a fan. How Personally many, didn't like me, but How many points would you get from Nuff Said? <laughs> Nuff Said? Well, interestingly, that is uh, not in the dictionary. Yeah, because uh, enough isn't a word. And said is a different word. It's yeah. two words. It's it one and not word. I don't use phrases two. in Scrabble, right? Uh, Ladies nope, and gentlemen, I've never played Scrabble. And what a scoop. That's, I would always, <laughs> and that's the way the news goes, would be 
The entire bottom row. Uh, I'm Edward Murrow. Nuff said. Nuff said. Uh, I actually like Nuff said. It's a little in your face. It's very yeah. Gen X, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I have to ask, Stanley. so many iconic characters that you came up with, Spider-Man, the Hulk, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite character of all the ones that you created? Batrock is... the Leaper. I'm sorry, what? Batrock the Leaper. Bad Rock the Leaper. Bad Rock the Leaper. Can you tell me a little? I don't, I'm not familiar with this character. Do this you know a- Bad Rock the Leaper, uh, Edward R. Murrow? Were you a comic book man? I was a comic. I'm more of an X Factor type of guy. Okay. Oh, uh, well, X Factor was a spinoff of X Men, so you're welcome. <laughs> but uh, Bad Rock the Leaper was a little French guy who had very powerful legs and jumped around, and he had a crazy French accent, which was so fun to write. <laughs> so you would do like. I have to be honest, ladies and gentlemen, when I heard Leaper, I thought of Leper. Yeah, I thought it might be a a Leper. Yes, exactly. Perhaps he was a a fun young man at a colony. Let me tell you, guys, you don't know, you're not in the business, but Mm -hmm. let me tell you a little trick about comic book character writing. You don't want to bum people out. Mm. You don't want to have, you know, if somebody's got a defect or, you know, I, I, I don't a know. Disease. Yes, uh, a disease. If you, leave, if you like. You know, if you're a leaper, uh, sorry, now I'm saying <laughs> it. If you're a leper, you know, you, you should have something to compensate for that. So maybe you're a leper, but at night you turn into a Mustang convertible. So long as you have something that makes you special, so long as you have something that makes you exceptional, then it's okay to have these dark spots in your life. And you have to. And that's on another. Skin, t- another and on your skin. And on dark spots in your skin. Yeah. I don't know what leprosy is, but I'm going to take your word for I it. I know that your limbs fall off, right? Like you lose your fingers, you lose your ears. That sounds right. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. correct. What was the question? My uh, favorite <laughs> character was Batrock the Leaper. Batrock the Leaper. Ah, and so what would he do? Would he fight crime? Because that's no. Like a... He's a he was a villain, Jared. Oh, he was a villain. He was French. I see. He was French, so of Who course he was a villain. Tried to stop him then, because like there'd be heroes and there were villains. The heroes try to stop the villains from their evil plans, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm gonna give you a little uh, a little inside scoop. If you ever saw that movie Captain America, yes, uh, and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. that French guy, that Algerian guy that he fights, beginning of that movie, mm-hmm. that's Batrock the Leaper. That's Batrock the Leaper. Wait, there's a French guy at the beginning of the Algerian. Algerian guy. When, he, when he's on the the boat, and the guy kicks him a lot, and he throws down his shield, and he takes off his helmet, and then he just. He just beats the guy up. Oh, right, right, right. Good at kicking. Yeah. Guy. yeah, 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 yeah. Really good with his kicks. Yeah. So. Ladies and gentlemen, the Marvel Universe, <laughs> as it is currently known, is far too complicated. <laughs> and I have to watch all of those movies all over again. Good night. And good No, luck. we're not done. We're not <laughs> done. <laughs> we're not, we got a lot okay, more interviews. show to go. Oi, mate. God, you Get know your what? fingers off my pint. Every time I hear about Winter Soldier, like a detailed Winter Soldier, right. I want to watch that movie again. It's so good. It's okay. Luckily for you, Winter Soldier's great. it's, it's on TNT every other day. <laughs> if you too, don't mind commercial breaks. A little too violent for me. I am 100% going to watch Winter Soldier again as soon as so I that's the it's one. Fun. It's a little violent. It's a little too many guns for me. That's the one where Bucky goes crazy. That's the one. Ooh, spoiler alert. Sorry, spoiler ladies alert. and gentlemen, but quite frankly... Bucky is alive. and No, he, he goes crazy in, um, in Civil War. He's sort of like... He, he's sort of like um, uh, a bad... He's, well, all right, let's trace the path of Bucky through <laughs> the Marvel This entire interview should not just be recounting the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Uh, Which, I, let's be clear, I have nothing Soldier, to do with the cinematic in, universe. In Winter Soldier, he is a uh, he is a bad guy, 
And then he sort uh-huh. of like um, goes through like a, a, a we we call it like he, he sort of like comes comes to Jesus, remembers who he is. Yeah. But then he Finds sort of like Jesus he goes crazy again in Civil War is how I would describe it. Was he? <laughs> he goes, I honestly don't. He goes remember. crazy again because the bad guy reads the list of Russian words that triggers him. Remember that activates him. But he didn't do the thing that they. He was framed for the thing. Let's of, just watch let's stolen. Watch, all right. Let's just right let's from watch. The let's watch Winter Soldier. Let's we'll, watch Winter Soldier, we'll, we'll and just, then we'll, we'll watch pause Civil the War. radio program. We'll come back after we watch Winter Soldier. Okay, so so there won't be a pause for the audience. Yeah. But we will have watched Civil War and Winter Soldier, and Winter Soldier right. in its entirety. Right. Okay, here we go. Enough said. All right, so, so what do you guys think? Yeah, no, I was right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I still don't understand. <laughs> we'll explain it to you. The later. plot. So many guns, of any right? Marvel movies. Okay, so let's start talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and start talking about you, Stanley. All, All right. right. You're obviously one of the most iconic forces behind the Marvel Absolutely. Universe. Absolutely, I am you were, fascinating. You were not originally inspired to work in comic books, though, according no. to your biography. You said you figured that you would work there for a little while, gain some experience, and then pivot to fiction writing as you had dreams of writing the great American novel, right? I, I, my biggest dream was to write the great American novel. And yes. you know, if you think about it, I did. I mean, in a way, if you count graphic novels. Yeah, you no, know. I started as an assistant, you know, just filling ink pots. Filling ink pots. Getting coffee, sandwiches. I like in the- Corned beef sandwiches, pastrami sandwiches. All different kinds of sandwiches. You know, we had a lot of delis in New York. I don't know if you guys know about New York back in the 1930s, but- uh, a lot of delis, a lot of Jewish delis. Mm. I know food. plenty about New Pickles. York in the 1930s. Delicious. Right. Well, I mean, because you, I think, weren't stationed in uh, Europe until 1939. So, Edward R. Murrow, you definitely had a lot of experience here. I did. Knishes. As a newsman at CBS. <laughs> Knishes. Pastrami. That's what the C stands Corn for. beef. Knishes. Yes. <laughs> Knishes. Uh, now, obviously, you discover that you have a rare talent for comic book writing. So, you stayed there, became a legend. Right. Yeah, a legend. But did you Thank ever you. even start writing the novel that you dreamed of writing back in the day? Did you have an outline? I'm still working on it. Did you have any ideas? I'm still technically, you know, history has proved that I have written the great American novel. But you, technically, if you want to count the Marvel Universe as one novel, and, and you can, and, and that you would can. be, and that would be totally valid, if you like. Ladies but, and gentlemen, what he has written is a series of serialized comic books. They are several. They are small. Now, sir, while I, re- <laughs> I will admit <laughs> that you have written several good stories, they do not stand as a cohesive. Novel. Good night. Wow. And good luck. You know what? Because you know what they say. In order to make an, uh, a good novel, you need a beginning, middle, and end. There's no end to the Marvel universe. It just keeps it on continues building going and growing. On and I did on. start. And I did start the novel, and I have I have the first page written and the last sentence. Okay, first page. Go. Okay, we. I'll just you don't read the whole thing. Just, just tell me. Out. Tell okay. me what it is. First page. It's it's two guys. They're best friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is in love with the other one's wife. Ooh, good start. And the spicy. wife, and the wife is an aquatic vampire. Ooh, aquatic vampire. Think about it. Makes She's sense. a vampire that lives in they the sea. Don't need to breathe. It's okay. dark down there. Ooh, yeah. And so you're protected by the sun's rays. Yep. You have your finger on the pulse <laughs> of America. Ooh, but here's all right. I gotta. Here's the thing. Aquatic vampire, uh-huh. all you got to do, whatever body of water she's living in, whether it's a lake or an ocean or anything. Don't, please don't finish that sentence. You bring a priest, blesses the water, uh, so suddenly she's in holy water. I got to start over. <laughs> I've been working on this thing Go for 50 by. years. <laughs> I got to start over from scratch. Wait, what was the last line of the book, though? You said you wrote the last line also. Uh, 
God bless this water. God bless this water. So according to your book, nobody figures out the priest trick yet. Until 600 pages in. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write fiction, Uh, you should try a writer's group. This is why you never... Perhaps earlier, Stan could have realized the one glitch in his plot. And that's the stuff I said just now as I was talking. That's not good. I, I love it, actually. I and I love I'm just trying a bunch of different ones out. Keep trying them, yeah. Cool. I feel like uh, we don't, I think, I feel like we we have such a, a a desire for variety these days, you know, such short attention spans. I think that an audience where they, before they would want the comfort of knowing what your sign-off was going to be, I think an, an audience in 2019 would be like, What's this sign off gonna be today? You know, ah. I'd be about it. Yeah, you don't get those huge audiences, but maybe you go viral. Right, maybe you go viral indeed. And, and that's maybe, the things I said just now. And that's the things I said just now from my mouth. Oh, walla walla bing bang, <laughs> guacamole, <laughs> guacamole, indeed. Artichoke. Okay, uh, let's go uh, back to uh, Edward R. Murray. If you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guest today, our 20th century comic book writer, Stan Lee. Excelsior! And uh, American broadcast journalist and war correspondent, Edward R. Murrow. Walter Cronkite sucks. He's a dick. Anyway, so you were born in North Carolina in 1908, and it seemed as though you had an affinity for uh, current affairs, even at a young age. In 1929, when you were 29, 21 years old, you attended the annual convention of the National Student Federation. And you did something at that uh, convention that I wanted to ask you about. But before we get to that, can you just tell, set the frame for us of what the National Student Federation did? Like what that convention was like? Like what were the sort of things that were being talked about? What, who, were the, who were these people? The National Student Convention was college students from all across the United States of America. We all gathered in Chicago, Illinois, in a big barn. And we all just talked to each other because it was 1929 and we didn't know what else to do. There weren't, there weren't like chat rooms. And no stuff. chat and rooms. So if you wanted to get a big group of college students together, you had to have a convention. Exactly. A just a Chicago convention. barn. A Chicago, a Chicago barn. barn. Right. Uh, Chicago barns. We had barns back then before the big Chicago fire. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Makes sense. There were barns all over the place in Chicago before the fire. Exactly. There was a cow that kicked over the thing. And, <laughs> right? Yeah. I feel like that's true. That, that is absolutely true. true. Did yeah. you report on that story, Edward? I did, yes. Oh, wow. I was one of the first reporters to report on that story about the cow that knocked over. Knocked over. <laughs> knocked I lost over. my train of I thought, I really thought Jared. it was going to be a thing there. Yes, no, never mind. Uh, so it was just... We were talking about the politics of the day, the brightest, yes. the youngest, brightest students from college. Yes, all getting together in the barn. I actually heard that you were reporting on that uh, on the Great Chicago Fire because you had gone to visit the old barn that you were having the convention in, and it just so happened that that was the night that the cow kicked over the... The very same night, the, yes. He kicked over the... Wait a minute, wait a minute. You kicked were over the, uh, cow yes. kicked over the... the uh, <laughs> cow. Give me a Stanley, second. Stanley, you Ladies remember and the gentlemen, cow give kicked me, over uh, the... Uh, I mean, that's the story I heard. Do you remember a, the uh, cow kicked cow over the... Cow kicked over the... Uh, yeah. oh, so many things oh, you could kick over. over the... Uh, uh, ooh. Cows, the it wasn't a stagecoach. Too big. Nope. A cow can't kick that over. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, it was a gas lamp. A gas lamp? Give me a sec. Cow kicked over a gas lamp? Ladies and gentlemen, that is a gas lamp. A gas lamp. Bing, bing, bing. (laughs) Burned down the... Burn down the barn. The, Burn the down famous Chicago all of the barn. Chicago wow. barn. So you were there. Piece of reporting. At the National <laughs> Student Federation, and you give a speech. 
to the to the National Student Federation about how college students should be more interested in uh, national and world affairs. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Okay. So what was the prevailing attitude of college students at the time that you were rallying against? Like, where was their attention going that they had ambivalence toward world affairs exactly? Jared, I don't know if you know what it was like in the United States in the 1920s, but... Roaring 20s, right before the Great Depression. Roaring 20s, exactly. Yeah. So we were at the tail end of the Roaring Twenties, all the kids ever did was swallow goldfishes and try and climb poles and all that <laughs> oh, stupid crap. Pack ourselves into phone booths. booths. Oh, exactly. Yeah. They or, were uh, small cars, right? They all kind of trying to cram themselves into small cars. And just drinking like fishes, I swear. I understand there was a lot of flapping. A lot they of flapping. A lot of flapping. A lot of pearls just <laughs> just being swung around. <laughs> Crazy of, dresses. A lot of green lights at the end of docks. Exactly. Uh, giant, Speaking uh, of the great American novel. Uh, giant uh, plaster uh, cocktail uh, champagne glasses that people would lie in. Exactly. And take baths. All of those things are absolutely 100% true. <laughs> mm, Al Capone. Speakeasy. <laughs> No, we're not there yet. Oh, yeah, not yet. Not yet. Because, there was, because if we've proved anything is that we are totally chronologically correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I wanted to engage my fellow students and say to them, ladies and gentlemen, there is so much going on in the world. And why do we hole up in colleges and fraternities and just these, just party ourselves silly? When there's a whole world out there that we can engage in. Did you have pick you, up a paper? Did you have this voice when you were that <laughs> I've, age? I've been a heavy smoker <laughs> since 21. the age of seven. Because so yes. I trust, because I trust that. Voice. As a matter of fact, I. Can I do a little role play with you? I'd love yes. to see how you sounded like when you were, I would say, like nine years old. So I'm nine gonna be your mom old. for a second, sure. all right? Yes. I'd be like Edgar, Ed. Wait, what? Eggy, Egg. Your name was Edgar. Edgar. That's yes. right. Edgar. Did you take I a don't cookie? particularly like that name, so please. Uh, is is your birth name, though, Edgar? It is, yes. Edgar, did you take a cookie from the cookie jar? Mother. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. That's what I thought it would sound like. Yeah. Yes. So what was it? So let's say I'm a college student, and I'm having a great time. I'm doing the Lindy Hop, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and you're, you're trying to make the case to me that I should pay attention to the events in the world around me. What's going on that I need to be involved in? What, what's going on that I need to be focusing on that I'm not? In the 1920s, yeah. wealth disparity is getting to a point that is unsustainable, and we are about to enter a Great Depression. Well, the what, likes do I, of what, which... what do I care about that? That's really good. <laughs> Thanks. Well, let me tell you, my dear, put down the scotch, and please look me in the eye. All right, I'll put this flask back in my garter. <laughs> exactly. What, were you there? That's every woman I met in college. <laughs> Every last one. Listen, you can do both. You can be an engaged citizen and have a good time, but you must engage. Have a conversation. What do you think is going to happen in the next 10 years? Well, you've convinced me. <laughs> and that's exactly how all the conversations went. Wow. Wow. Very, uh, uh, you know, you have that gravitas that makes people want to listen to you, Edward R. Murrow. I you believe know? it. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. Don't you want to be more involved in politics and, uh, and world events now, Stanley? I do, but I was very involved in politics that's and right. world events. Well, let's talk a little bit about your early life, Stanley. Absolutely. So let's you were it. born in Manhattan, 1922. After some early success as a writer, you were inspired to follow that career. One of your early survival jobs was writing obituaries for the paper. Is that right? That's right. And I would embellish, Jared. Oh, would you? Yes, I would. I would make people. This was, if someone was six one, 
and died in, by by getting hit by a uh, say a horse. You know, horses kick people. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, horses Bob sometimes kick people. Bob X. Nobody nobody cares. You'd read that. Bob X, tallest man in the world, Ooh. kicked to death by mythical Gorgon. <laughs> Viewing Tuesday at 10 a.m. at St. Jude's. Would you ever Methodist embellish the, the, the viewing details? Would you ever of course. Embellish that? <laughs> so of course. would miss the ceremony. Yes, 10 a.m. Because you thought it'd be more In the year 2590. So completely inaccurate details in wow. service of a story that didn't Dramatic exist. details. Interesting. Okay, so. Needless so. adjectives deceiving the public. Oh, well, needless. I mean. I've never heard of an adjective that was needless. So, I mean, well, obviously we're on different ends of the spectrum writing wise where what's important to you stanley is what's interesting and captivating what's Absolutely. important to you uh edward r murrow Facts. is what's factually accurate trying to put the reader there Right? Exactly. Yes. Wow. I don't think no that, I don't words. think people read obituaries for facts and information. I think they do. I don't I think, think they, they do. do. I think I, they read them for excitement. How did this guy die? How did this lady buy it? People want to know. How did she buy it? How did she buy Is the that, farm? Did people say <laughs> People Yeah, that's how it uh, I think they, Patrick they bought M the farm, bought right? the farm. I don't think they would say that they buy a farm. How, How did, did you buy Stacey the farm? Stacy buy a farm. Did buy buy a buy the farm? She, I think they do. No, she would say I bought the she bought the farm. She bought the farm. Yeah. She's going to buy the farm. <laughs> She's gonna buy the farm. Let's conjugate this <laughs> death sentence, literally. She buys the farm. She will buy the farm. She did buy the farm. In the year 1412. 14. Ooh, the past. Viewing in underwater the past. under the Hudson River. The viewing is in the past underwater. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll tell you, they gave me more and more dead people. Inter- they- <laughs> yeah, I started with one or two by the end of the week. I didn't realize that they would divvy yeah, up Yeah, by the, the end of the year, people. I was getting, oh, baby, Jared. You were getting all getting of them. Dozens of dead people per now, day. Edward R. Murrow, just to speak a little bit about your love of, of fact and, and putting people there. One time you were being commendated. People were, were uh, they, they were talking about what an incredible reporter were you were. And they said, I'm some, sure they were. They said something to the effect of, you burnt the houses in London and you put us there. You placed the dead bodies at our feet. And I read that and I was like, I understand what you're trying to say here, but it's very dark. And it was the most wonderful compliment <laughs> I've ever received in my entire life. Gotcha. We could smell the burning hair of the dead, Edward R. Murrow. Because you put us there. We could smell the blood. It was as if we had been bombed by the Nazis, Edward R. Murrow. And I Jesus. said, thank you. And we you were the Nazis. <laughs> exactly. They said, Edward R. Murrow, you're like a Nazi dropping a bomb on us. That's how you brought the war home and how you made us care across an ocean. You know, people have often said you can take metaphor too far. And I agree. I agree. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> yeah, I feel Stanley. like you're ribbing me on purpose here. Uh, no, no, no. There's no such thing as. So here's my question to you. So writing obituaries, do people would they would they would submit information to you? Right? They would like, would give, give you a me, thing. Yeah. Sometimes just a suggestion. Oh, they say, "Hey, here's my dad. He died this way. He died this day." Yeah, and I'd say, "No, I can work with this." And they'd say, <laughs> "Don't what do you work mean with you? It. What do you mean you can don't work with work this?" With and it. I would hang up. <laughs> but sometimes somebody would call it. I'd say, "Just give me a word, any word." 
Yeah. Did you have a favorite obituary from the time that you were writing? Anything My favorite were obituary. Particularly proud of that you had accomplished. Uh, I got a, I got a very, I got a, phone, a very serious phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather died in his sleep peacefully. Uh, he leaves behind a wife and you know five kids and twelve grandkids. Mm-hmm. Uh, fine, you know, Jared. This was my masterpiece. <laughs> it stretched across into the art section. They didn't write an editorial that day because I wrote this fantastic story about him building a moon base on the dark side of the moon. Ooh, interesting. And, find, and building robots that cared for his every whim that one day turned around and murdered him <gasps> for robot love. Oh, my God. The robots loved him too much, murdered him. Interesting. Shot his consciousness back into his body where he was lying in bed at age 84. Niagara Falls. <laughs> that means that everybody was crying. And where, oh, I thought you meant that the viewing was in Niagara Falls. <laughs> I no, thought I said the viewing was, was transported Falls. back oh, to view- Niagara Falls. The viewing was on the, 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 the clear, bright side of the You world. said that the robots were in love with him, so they killed him. That's right. Was it a sexual love? Like, did he have a sexual relationship with his No, robots? no, no. Once Jared, again, no. Stan. This was a, this was a filial... May I please recommend a writer's group <laughs> to read first drafts, point out plot holes, I think maybe suggest what works, may, maybe, what doesn't. Now, maybe really I will. Use maybe I like, could find some success in writing. If you I could really use someone like Edward R. Murrow to say, this doesn't read exactly. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm not, I, I know it, it's fun and everything, but I'm not sure exactly what you're trying to get across here. Yeah, no one can jump that high say mm-hmm. or something like that now we have got to take a, a break very quickly but before we do let's talk a little bit about your first job at cbs edward r murrow so you're 27 years old you are the director of talks and education at the time cbs did not have a news staff so your job was just to line up newsmakers who would talk on the radio about the issues of the day is that right yes that is absolutely correct So there are news people there there's no anderson cooper there's no rachel maddow nope it's just like a senator and a chef and a teacher. They just line up outside the door. And then you just talk for a little and bit? And then I just talk with a little bit and then shoo them away. Well, you, would you be on the the, the air with them? Because the Wikipedia just says that they would discuss the issues of the day. I, I thought there was no, like, moderator or anything. I was there giving mm-hmm. them a stare. <laughs> making <laughs> sure them. that they weren't editorializing, adding needless adjectives, doing things that... I just didn't care for. You were injecting them with a piercing gaze that said, don't you even fucking think about making something up. Do not think (laughs) at all. This will be facts or I will take you out. I will take you off the air. Throw you out the door, my friend. Interesting, because I thought that that would be chaos, but I guess that... uh, uh, I guess that with that stare, it really kept people in line, right? Absolutely. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, unfortunately, we got to take a short break, but we will be right back with Edward R. Let, Murrow. Let's and go watch Captain America uh, uh, Civil War. Civil War? We yeah. just watched Civil War. No, we watched Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. We watched both. Don't you remember? Let's watch Civil that's War That's not again. one movie. <laughs> let's watch, watch War Infinity War again. Let's watch Infinity War again. Let's, okay, we'll watch a bunch more. And then let's we'll watch be, Black Panther. That's we'll a good one. We'll be right back. Hey, guess who created Black Panther? With Edward R. Murrow. Uh, answer after the break. And Stan Lee on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Famous Dead People. 
Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org if you want a specific famous dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us. Whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out jaredbarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 20th century comic book writer, the primary creative leader behind Marvel Comics for two decades, co-creator of iconic characters such as Black Panther, Spider-Man, The Hulk, Daredevil, Stan Martin Lieber, a.k.a. Stan Lee. Excelsior! And American broadcast journalist and war correspondent, famous for his sign-off, Good Night and Good Luck, the man who took down Joseph McCarthy, Edward R. Murrow. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? I like that as a sign-off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it throws people off the scent. They're like That wouldn't be factual to say hello at the end of a broadcast. Or you could be saying hello to somebody else, like someone just walked into the studio. Oh, hey. Sorry, guys. Gotta go. <laughs> Actually, I like that one. I like that. That's, that's tight. Uh, okay. So while we were on break, we watched which movies? We watched Infinity War. We watched Infinity War. And Black Panther. And Black we Panther. watched Black Panther. In that order. And then... And we started Endgame, <laughs> but then you got sleepy. <laughs> so we had to stop. Uh, okay. And then uh, we went out and got frozen yogurt. Mm. And uh, it you was pretty good. Me, you guys let me sleep and you got frozen yogurt by yourself? Yeah. Yeah, we we uh we I've, turns out we have a lot in common. I got a lot of FOMO now. Fear of that. missing out on Froyo. I got FOMO. That's, that makes a Froyo great name. Froyo. When I think of FOMO, I think of a giant dragon with a robot body. FOMO. Creature of the deep. I would say FOMO is a a time traveler who goes back to events that he missed out on. Now we're talking. And he's always fucking up the future because he keeps going back to like Go to coffee with his friends and stuff. The fearsome FOMO. And so, FOMO is a French soldier killed in Normandy. And so Doctor Strange has to stop him from going back in time, and <laughs> and uh, in and satiating his his fear of missing out. You're a natural, Jared. Thank you. I could write for Marvel. Uh, so let's go back over to uh, Stanley for just a moment. Uh, 1939, you're 17 years old. You get the job that would define the rest of your life. You become an assistant at Timely Comics. Yep. Uh, Timely Comics eventually evolves into Marvel, and I read on your Wikipedia that you got the job through your uncle. Is that right? That's right. My uncle Stamuel. Stamuel? Yeah, Stamley. Stamuel. Yeah, Stamley got me a job at uh, Timely Comics. Mm. Now, did he work there as well, or did he know someone who worked there? It doesn't say on the Wikipedia. He knew somebody who worked there. He was uh, he was the barber of several of the editors there. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And so he, he just was a like big gossip. Talked to you up while he was cutting the That's hair right. of the actual editors. That's right. He'd say, uh, "You know who would?" Uh, this is his voice. You know who would make a great assistant? I see you got these guys that working themselves to the bone. Who would make a good assistant is my uh, my nephew's 
Stan, Stanley Lieber. And, uh, you know, they shut him up. They uh, they hired me. Sounds good. Yeah, uh, he was very irritating. Now, one of the first things that you wrote for comics, there was a filler text that they needed for a Captain America story. You wrote, Captain America foils the traitor's revenge. That's right. What was that? What was the context for that filler? Like, what was the story that you were either teasing or summarizing? All right. So I'm at my brother's house. His wife is there serving me a cup of tea that I know she purposely put too much sugar in. And as, I sh- as she puts it towards me and says, I think we can be friends. Let's put this behind me. I slapped it out of my hand. I said, I have foiled the traitor's revenge. And then you were like, this needs to be. Then I got a phone call. We need, we need some text. <laughs> we need some filler. And, uh, and that's the first thing that came to mind. Is Captain that Man. where the feud between you and your brother's wife began? No. No, it no, started much earlier. It started a lot earlier than that. Well, I hope we get to that eventually. Well, we'll uh, see. Now, I did, you did move, eventually move on from just writing filler to episodic writing. Uh, the first comic that you wrote for was Headline Hunter Foreign Correspondent. Is that right? That's right. It sounds like your life, Edward R. Murrow, right? Exactly. Foreign Correspondent. Did this you- was a real He-Man type of uh, adventure story, you know, uh, inspired by Edward R. Murrow. Edward, Edward, Edgar Rice Burroughs. <laughs> Edgar Rice Burroughs, Immortal Tarzan story. Okay, so not Edward R. Murrow. No, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Edgar Rice Burroughs. You can see Ladies how Ladies and gentlemen, I, many people get us confused. He was, thick. he was thick with muscles. He was thick with ropey muscles. This uh, headline hunter. He's a real lady killer. Did you ever read Headline Hunter? Like... Because uh, this is like a cart. This is a comic hero who is doing what you're doing, right? Yes. Sorry, I was a little too busy covering the war. Actually to doing real, the headline hunting. Yes, exactly. Sure. Did anybody? I mean, you know, sometimes people will be like, uh, you know, if they see a dude playing basketball, they'll be like, "Oh, good job, LeBron." You know, did anybody ever call? Be like, you know, uh, "Hey, great job, headline hunter, foreign correspondent." Did anybody ever like? I heard that reference. Yes, comic as a matter, to I, you? I heard that quite a few times. I had no idea what it meant oh. until just now. Mm. Thank well, you for would, thank you for <laughs> revealing that because I was just sort of like, what the hell are you talking? Headline hunter. I mean, it's kind of snappy, but it's not a fact. Be, I'm did, not literally hunting for headlines. Did headline hunter have any powers, or was he just like a really strong guy? He was he was strong. He was, was strong. At, he was at the peak of journalistic excellence. That okay. was his power. He and, was and he by, had big muscles too, yeah, right? He was very powerful mm-hmm. uh, physically, but his but his power was he was at the peak of his journalistic prowess. He was the most journalistic that any human could possibly be. He was could, he bit by a radioactive do journalism newspaper? for the Olympics and win the gold. <laughs> he was bit by a radioactive newsie. Ooh, uh, okay. There's uh, kids selling, uh, extra, selling newspapers. Uh, the first character that you created was named Destroyer. What was that guy's deal? What was the premise behind Destroyer? Oh, he would he would cause a lot of chaos. Mm. His backstory, you know, it was my first character. His backstory wasn't very interesting. He mm. was dropped in a bucket of scorpions, and he had to eat his way out. From then on, scorpions just he shot scorpions out of his fingers, and uh, and he would uh, and he would destroy things. It wasn't very well thought out. Mm. He would shoot scorpions out of his fingers, and sometimes poison would come out of his pores. So no one could love him. So there was a tragic <laughs> angle to it. No one, he couldn't experience you know, physical sometimes, love. Sometimes first thought, not best thought. No, you know? no. But you know what? You got to get your start somewhere. Yeah, so Stanley. destroyer. The, the, the scorpion destroyer. poison sweating uh, violent guy. He don't, was just violent. Don't touch him, ladies. 
Yeah. Keys, or men. Poison sometimes. Yeah. A lot. Or I, men. Anybody. Yeah. I got, you know, I wrote a lot of romance comics before I got into Super. So a lot of women died in that comic. I'll oh, say that this. That is a shame. Yes. Uh, but they sold, so. I do want to hear about some of these romance comics that you wrote, but sure. let's go back over to Edward R. Morrow for just a moment. Please. So your first moment in the journalistic limelight happened in 1938 when Germany annexed Austria. You happened to be in Poland at the time arranging a radio broadcast of children's choirs. You immediately fly to Vienna to do your first ever live on-the-scene news report of the Germans annexing Poland. So first question for you. What was this radio broadcast of the children's choir that you just dipped out on so that you could report on Hitler invading Austria? Well, it's, you know, children in Poland uh, in a choir, which is there were fluff pieces uh, in the 30s. And that was one of them. It was a slow news day. Okay. And I said to myself, uh, what can I report on today? And I was in Poland at the time and there was, you know, a children's choir. So I figured, why don't I just go in? get some audio of these kids singing. And as soon as I heard that something real was happening, I just bounced. <laughs> I was out of there. I actually heard that you literally dropped a kid. Like I you did. You were holding a kid up to a microphone. I was and like, you just dropped him exactly. so that you could dip out and head over to Austria. All right, Pavel, just sing into that mic. And then as soon as I, I was like, Edward, the Nazis just invaded Austria. And I Headline just, I, Hunter, we <laughs> need you. <laughs> exactly. I just, like, I still don't get that reference, but I'm on my way. Exactly. I'm just, I'm on my way. Just get me to the nearest plane so I can get to, uh, to Vienna. I need to report. I need to let everybody know about the dead bodies on the streets of Vienna. Oh, wow. And the so burning houses. You show up in Vienna, and I understand, like, it obviously takes a while for an army to move. An individual reporter can move faster. Did you get there before the army got there so that you had time to sort of, like, report on the status quo and then watch as they entered, you know, as they took the city. We arrived at exactly the same time. So, so I, I got to watch them march into Vienna and take wow. over the city. It wow. was a sight to behold. Tell us all about it. Can so get some details. Watching the Nazis just, just descend upon this peaceful, beautiful city. It was awe-inspiring. Mm. Tell and us I was like, what, something that would surprise us about the Nazi occupation of Vienna. Well... Relatively polite to journalists at the time. Uh, I was, it, I said uh, to them in German, at uh, Achtung, and then I said, you know, uh, a danger. Yes, I'm a. <laughs> Wait, what does it mean? No, you're right. You're okay. right. I... <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm just going to do a little story right here, if that's cool. And they yeah, were like, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is what they said. So, and I uh, started oh, yeah, doing, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And just marched right past me. Uh, wow. So clearly an American. Uh, clearly but they, the old Nazis are way better than the current Nazis that we have today. That th Those guys are shitty to journalists. Those agreed, guys are yes. Assholes to journalists. Just sort of shutting down their questions. I, I don't think those Nazis were that great. Mm -hmm. well, mean, they, they had their faults, but <laughs> what I'm saying is... It's a little, you know, you take the good, you take the bad. Uh, they were bad. All right, I'm so like gonna, our Nazis look, are okay. so shitty to journalists, you know. Listen, I'm At not going to report Nazis. a fact that didn't happen. I'm just saying that they were pretty cool to me that day. <laughs> All right. Okay? All right. And I'm not, look... <laughs> Don't twist my words. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. I'm the one who's, if anybody's going to write any letters about it, mm -hmm. you can say Jared Berenstein is the one who said that 
today's Nazis are worse than the old Nazis. Than the they original Nazis. I think they're all bad. <laughs> so I set up. Oh, well, you're a real fucking hero, Stanley. <laughs> hey. Oh, Stanley hates all Nazis. I do. <laughs> That's a, that, yeah, I stand behind that. Oh, bravo. <laughs> Hope you don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back there. Uh, all right. So, flexible. Edward R. Murrow, you were saying. Yes. They were pretty cool to you, the Nazis. Just sort of just, you know, I wasn't doing much to stop them to my discredit. S- mm. Sorry. What did you? Just one exactly. reporter. I am just one reporter. I am there to let people know what is going on because, you know, the United States was not in the war at this point. That's right. I needed to let them know what is going on you, overseas. You are a, a, a non-biased uh, observer, a neutral observer. Exactly. This. Yeah, you're not going to pick up a rock and start throwing it at the Nazis. What would that accomplish except for getting yourself killed, Edward R. Murrow? That is true. And I think I made the right choice by not throwing one rock at one Nazi I think to you, get killed. <laughs> I think you did too. I did more good especially because, by staying alive. Especially because they were pretty cool to you. They were I, I, Exactly. <laughs> I was sort of like, why would I be such a jerk? Is it, is it cool if I set up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, why would I throw a rock at that guy? I don't like, I don't like how nice you are. <laughs> I'm just saying, I asked, they were okay. I'm they sure just you sh- marched right past me. I'm sure you shook a fist or two after, you know, when you oh, were done I, writing or something. Well, I wish I could have said that I did. I was... I maybe gritted my teeth a little, but for the most part, I just went about my business. And you know, I think that's enough. Edward yeah. I think you made your you point. I, I wrote you some nasty me. stuff in my journal you that night about him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. uh, In the end, you did the right thing. Eventually. So. Uh, let's go back over to Stan Lee for just a moment. So uh, let's jump ahead to the 1950s. DC publishes the very first superhero team, Justice League of America. The distinguished competition. So Marvel decides we need to come up with a superhero team. That's right. Of our own, and that is when you... Co-create the Fantastic Four. Marty Goodman so comes I to have, me in my I, office, and he says, this Justice League is Buffo B.O., big time, a hit. And we need a hit just like that. Can you come up with, all, just wrangle up all of our heroes from the past and make a Justice League? And I said, Marty, I'm going to do this my way. Oh, shit. I said, I'm not going to bring bring in Captain America and the, the Red Wing and the, uh, you know, uh, Ant-Man and... Leave that to movies you know, in 75 these, years. All these guys. I'm going to make a team that is a family. A family. Interesting. Okay. And that's how the Fantastic Four was made. He wanted just just to put our, put our guys together. Put our guys together. He we said, have we guys have guys. Yeah. We have Fin Fang Foom. We have Groot. <laughs> you know? And I said, God, you know, we do have some really great characters. Yeah, but, just throw them together. But... Monster comics, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of bing bam bomb and gung gong ging and kang kong king, you know, a lot of these types of names. But yeah. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to make a Justice League of monsters. I said we're gonna make a family, Let's make something new, something new, something different. So I pulled out my old obituaries. <laughs> I see Stephen R. Burned to death, ascended to heaven like a god. Boom, uh, the Human Torch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, bing, bing. Guacamole. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, Arthur L. Uh, crushed by a giant rock. The thing. Uh, Mildred P. Just up and vanished. Ooh, okay. And, uh, and then, uh, Mrs. Fantastic. And then one that I really embellished, which was a man who was sent back in time to the Spanish Inquisition to be stretched on the rack. And that's how he died. And that is Richard, Mr. Fantastic. Viewing in 1412 AD. Interesting. And uh, so I just put those together. I said, and they're a family. And they're a family. Well, yeah. I mean, technically, three of them are a family, and one of them was just like a friend, right? 
Yeah, but friends can be family. Friends can be family. I don't think people talk about that enough. Okay, so was this a regular thing at Marvel? Something would work really well at DC, and then they'd just be like, we got to do this also? Oh, boy, every day with this guy, Marty Goodman, come into my office and say, oh, we got a big hit. We got a big hit over here. Uh, uh, They got an Aquaman. What can we do with an Aquaman? And then you guys are like, Submariner. Submariner, we got this. Submariner. I'm not going to take credit for creating Submariner. Seems a little derivative to just look at what DC is doing well and then just kind of taking it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what we call theft. Ooh. All right. Well. Intellectual theft, I've never been been called a thief, and I've never been more insulted. Stick to the facts. You have been called a thief. Never. I think you have. My integrity has (laughs) never been questioned. I'm As not the sole creator of the Marvel Universe. Oh, my no, integrity not, has that's never been that fact, Edward Armour. You never have a problem with all these in all of my life. With all these facts. Oh, I am. Edward Armour, you want to say anything about this? Ladies and gentlemen, Stan Lee is a grifter. Ooh. <laughs> a a shim sham man. A con artist. A con artist. A hustler. But quite frankly, a damn good storyteller. Oh, yeah. Bravo. It is brought the, it, yes. brought it home. You did it again, yes. Edward Armuro. A little bow. And that, as they say, is what I just said. <laughs> Guacamole. Oh, enough said. <laughs> if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are American broadcast journalist and war correspondent Edward Armuro. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And 20th century comic book writer Stan Lee. Excelsior. Uh, let's go back over to Edward Armour for just a moment. So war breaks out, 1939. You're in London, and you start doing live radio broadcasts during the Blitz. And uh, I'm wondering what that was like, because I'm imagining that there was a lot of downtime, you know? So, like, you're just reporting through these bombing runs, these raids. And would you just sort of, like, sit there and talk about the raids that were happening, or did you have, like, other stories that you would tell in between bombs falling? Yeah, back up. You imagine there's a lot of downtime. That's yeah. your that's your impression of the Blitz while we were getting yeah. bombed by Nazis. Yeah, is that not the case? Uh, well, yeah, but <laughs> we were I getting mean, bombed by Nazis. Terrifying, I'm sure. Exa- that's the part. Usually, it was still you know. Uh, I'm gonna hide. In all shock. the lights are off. Yes. You know, we got blo- we got to, we're, we're blacked out the windows, and we're just sitting here terrified that we're gonna hit by a bomb. That doesn't mean that there's not a lot of downtime. Okay. Right? Correct. Yes, there was downtime mm. in which we did a lot of praying, uh, a lot of panicking, uh, just waiting. Mm. Waiting, ladies and gentlemen. But you were live broadcasting these, these raids. Yes, I was. Mm. And I tried to bring it home to everybody just how terrifying everything was. Wow. Interesting. Yes. So would you ever talk about other stories? Like, wow, this is, like, it seems like... Uh, you know, we have a little bit of a respite here, so maybe I'll tell you guys about this other thing that happened here in London well, or the other day. Troop movements. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, well, I tried to do some human interest stories, but I found that they were pretty terrible at the time. Mm. Uh, just sort of trying like, to lighten the mood of yes, the blitz. Indeed. Okay. I would talk about some young children uh, playing a soccer game during the day to try and take their minds off. The terrible, terrible death. Yeah, you know, I just kind of like that. Them. Yes, I like that. It's got kind of a life is beautiful. Kind it's of reminding thing. us of the humanity that persists throughout man's worst deeds. And then the Nazis would drop bombs on us, and mm-hmm. I kind of forgot all about that story. <laughs> so fair enough. Yes. Did it freak you? So you tell But a I have story to say, about... I have to say, the Nazis were pretty cool while okay. they were dropping bombs <laughs> on us, because there I was reporting. And they just let me go about it. You know, I just sort of, I didn't, you know, 
I was like, is that cool? And they, you know, they weren't saying no. They, they were polite. <laughs> they were evil. They were, they were they polite. Were polite. Just well, sort they of didn't like, bomb you specifically. Exactly. So they were just sort of like letting me go about my thing. Did you try uh, to tell the Nazis like where you were going to be so that they wouldn't bomb there specifically? Nope. I think <laughs> on some level they knew. Oh, wow. You had a real connection with those Nazis. I suppose I did. <laughs> There's a real emotional connection between Look, the two of you. Ladies you and gentlemen, really vibed. I have to say I am anti-Nazi, but... There are some bright spots. I just, just some bright <laughs> Every spots. Every cloud oh. has a silver lining. Let's jump to the end of the war, get a little darker here. 1945, you're one of the first reporters to view and report on the Buckenwald concentration camp. Indeed. Now, how did you manage to see that exactly? I imagine that the military were the first ones to discover it, so they bring you in, right? Yes. So how did that happen exactly? You were reporting somewhere, you know, and then uh, you, you get sent to... To Buckenwald? I was in Switzerland with another uh, choir. Okay. Because every time... Oh, you, I went, just, you went back to do choir yes, stuff? Yes. <laughs> I was sort of just thinking, like, why not just report on another choir? And as soon as I heard, we just <clears throat> covered one of these deadly concentrations. I dropped a kid and immediately... <laughs> and this was up in the Alps? Yes, in the I gotta, Alps. I got to actually say, I remember reading this on your Wikipedia, that you decided to pick up where you left off at the beginning of the war. Exactly. And you just decided to reconnect with all those kids. With all these choirs and... Mm -hmm. And but as soon as I found that out, I said, "Get me to the United States Army. I have to see. I have to let the people at home know about this horrible, horrible crime against humanity." Yeah, I mean that was that must have been real fucked up. We don't have to talk about it. It's a very emotional and dark and gross thing. It was just the emptiness of the place. But you are a hero for telling the American people yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. give you that. And here's the thing: people, a lot of people think that there, there are some Holocaust deniers out there, you know? And so it's good that we had people like you to go in, trustworthy people, to exactly. say, yeah, this really fucked up thing happened. It was there, I was there. And to all you Holocaust deniers, you can go fuck yourselves. Fuck yourselves. Excelsior. <laughs> you now can go fuck thing. yourselves as another... Victory over your enemies. <laughs> exactly. You can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Uh, now I know that you had a, you, you kind of vibed with some of the Nazis. Like, did you see anything at the concentration camp that you were like, you know what? This is garb. This is awful. But these uh, guys, these guys are all right. You know, I got to say, that's where my love affair with the Nazis kind of, <laughs> that kind of came, came, off came to an end. I'm, uh, I'm surprised to hear. I find that shocking. I had to, to sort that. of do sort of, uh, say sort of did a 180 on the politeness yeah. of the Nazis. I sort of, you know what? No matter how polite someone is, and well, to be fair, there weren't any Nazis there that day. It was oh, just right. it was a, they were all POWs yeah, at that point. You want to be fair, yes, that's right. Okay, interesting. When that and that's the end of your relationship with the Nazi Party. Yes. All right. Yeah. You see, you, there, you, even Edward R. Murrow has some lines that can't be crossed. <laughs> uh, let's go back over to Stanley for just a moment. So let's jump ahead to 1971. Oh uh, yeah. You know, you're ex incredibly successful. Golden age of in Marvel Comics. Incredibly successful Marvel Comics. Uh, you got Spider Man is is a is a damn smash hit, a runaway smash hit. The Huge. department. The United States Department of Health, Education, and Welfare asks you to write a comic book story about the dangers of drug use. Oh, yes. So you write a three-issue story where one of Peter Parker's friends becomes addicted to prescription drugs. Harry Osborne. Harry Osborne becomes addicted to prescription drugs. That's right. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the story. How did Harry Osborne get the drugs? How did he become addicted to them? And how does Spider-Man help him? Help him with his drug addiction. Well, as I recall, he uh, Harry Osborne, son of Norman Osborne, was uh, uh, exposed to toxic goblin chemicals 
and had to find a way to uh, get rid of his goblin chemicals. So he went to drug dealers in the street and said, what do you got that'll cure my shakes? What do you got that'll cure my shakes? Okay. And they gave him just a big chunk of heroin. A big thing of heroin. Big thing of heroin. Interesting. The, I'll tell you the this. The said that it was prescription drugs, but that's not something that you could get by prescription. He was a doctor. <laughs> this guy in the street was a doctor. Yeah, so, you know. Just I, a big heroin pill. Big, but he's the thing about comics, Jared. You got to stretch reality a little ah, bit. You got to make it interesting. You got to make it interesting. For the people. So this is pres- prescription block like of, of black Like Mr. Fantastic, you got to stretch You got to stretch it out. Ah, stretch it out, just like Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's how he became addicted. He was trying to get off the, the, the shakes of the goblin. Of so, the goblin yeah. chemicals. Yeah, so he's nodding off. Doing all the things people do on heroin, mm, you know. He's got the junky lean. He's eating too much uh, ice cream. He's, you know, he's uh, making questionable uh, driving choices. You know, he's just taking longer routes than he has to. All classic oh, issues. Classic <laughs> wearing, heroin behavior. Wearing hats that are just, like, not flattering. And, oh, that's the know. worst. I'll tell you, Seeing you might be shocked movies by this. and recommending them to his friends. <laughs> and then they're good movies. That's right. You read them. I remember that part. I'll yeah. tell you, I, I, I'm going to be straight with you, Jared. This was written in kind of a crunch, and I didn't do a lot of research. <laughs> on what heroin. On what heroin does. Okay. But, yeah, Spider-Man, you know, locks him in a room and smacks him around and says, you got to get over this. And he does. He gets over it. Wow. Now, says, why, does Peter Parker, family. why does Peter Parker decide to do this as Spider-Man as opposed to his friend, Peter Parker? Well, we had a rule. If you if you got a, a superhero in a comic, if they're gonna fight, they gotta be wearing their masks. And since he was slapping Harry around, he had to be wearing at least the gloves. Peter Parker can't Peter slap Parker someone around. Can't slap someone around. Only Spider Man can slap someone around. That's right. That was okay. our rule. That was our uh, rule that we made. It was a little arbitrary. Interesting. So yeah. you didn't really care like what the actual drug was or what the actual effects of the drug were. No, no, no. You just kind of throw in some things. They were in the giving bag. us a lot of money to do this. Mm-hmm. And if, like I said, it was a time crunch. I was writing forty one titles in nineteen seventy one. Mm. Ooh, yeah. 41 titles? 41 monthly titles. Oh, my God. Plus annuals. What was the effectiveness of the campaign? Oh, yeah. It seems like it didn't really convey the dangers of heroin. Because, I mean... Because if all you think it does is you make bad hat choices, and you sort of take longer routes... And you drink a lot of ice cream. And, and you just eat some ice cream. It your... seems a lot of young, impressionable adolescents might try a big I... chunk of heroin. <laughs> it's interesting that you asked that. There was a very slight uptick in heroin use nationwide in the age group of 11 to 16 year olds so <laughs> directly excelsior excel- responsible excelsior. it seems you, as though you are directly responsible for that there. uptick quickly yeah. running out of time I'll here i'll take the credit uh let's go back over to uh edward r murphy's moment i wanted to ask you about one of your radio shows edward r murphy from 1951 to 1955 you hosted a radio show called this i believe in which you gave ordinary people five minutes on the radio to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. Is Absolutely. that right? Yes. Now, I this seems to me like a recipe for chaos, for disaster. But this ran for four years, so I imagine that there was some benefit, that there was some interest, that there was something good about this show, right? Absolutely. Okay. The thing is... Every person has a story. Mm, And if they really want to tell that story, they can make it compelling. And I was sure that I chose the right people to tell a good story. And you know that I was right next to them, staring them down, making them sure that they didn't say anything stupid. Mm. Otherwise, 
I would have kicked them right out the door. Using your piercing gaze, my piercing to say Murrow gaze. You make this a good fucking story, <laughs> or else you are out. The Murrow gaze. The Murrow gaze. <laughs> Headline hunter and his Murrow gaze. But you have to understand. That's not like a great superpower to have. That's the Murrow what, gaze. The Murrow gaze. My mind. Maybe that's your power. <laughs> Americans back then were a lot more respectful on the radio. Hmm, this was a long time ago. I think that people just sort of people wore suits on airplanes. Oh yeah, you know people uh, didn't. Classier people time. didn't curse. It was just a. It was a different kind of era. Yeah, bitter. Some would say. And yeah, exactly. It's almost like America was great back then. And it's we would like want to know make where you're going with this. And <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. like to throw people on different messages. Like <laughs> the Nazis now are worse than the Nazis then, but at the same time, oh. I want to make America great like it used to be. Make America great like it to, used to I'm be. I'm trying to confuse people here. I'm trying to. I'm throwing out a lot of different. Well, ideas. you're confusing me, Jared. <laughs> that could be a good slogan for somebody. Can you tell? We have like 20 seconds left. Do you remember like any of your favorite stories from this? I believe where an ordinary person just came in, spoke for a couple minutes, and you were like, "Wow, that was great. That was great radio." Uh, there was just a a milkman who came in and talked about the people that he met on his route. Hmm. And it, uh, honestly, it sounds boring as hell, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is he was a hell of a storyteller and I was intrigued Nobody from start to finish. Nobody ever threw any like subtle sex in there. Like I'm imagining the milkman could be like, you know, uh, turn it into a penthouse forum, like, and then she opened the door and her robe was You get with that Murrow stare? What is it? Murrow gaze? <laughs> Murrow gaze. He he tried, and I gave him the Murrow gaze. And then he and straightened he just his straightened fucking right out. out. <laughs> wow. Unfortunately, that is all for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I would like to thank my guests, Stan Lee and Edward R. Murrow, for joining me in the studio today. Last question. Do either of you have any comedy shows or Twitter accounts or podcasts that you're really big fans of that you want to tell people about? Uh, Edward R. Murrow, anything you want to tell people about? Ladies and gentlemen, it behooves you to go check out Sexy Baby at the Magnet Theater Wednesdays. Uh, they are a fantastic improv troupe. Wonderful. Good night and good luck. That is the end of the program. Thank <laughs> no, you so much. For I, haven't, I haven't uh, plugged yet. So. And uh, Stanley, anything you want to tell people about? You know, the comic books of today uh, are Twitter. Does that make sense? <laughs> At D Pacheco. Are D -P -A -C -H -E -C -O. you Mr. Fantastic? Because that was a stretch. Oh. What are my Guacamole. politics? What are my politics? Who even knows? Uh, we never got to the story of why I hate my sister-in-law. Well, maybe next time. <laughs> we'll get there next time. Uh, all right. Uh, I am Jared Berenstein. You check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. Autographed copies of my book, Kellyanne Conway Technique, are available at jaredberenstein.com slash store. All of my live show dates are on jaredberenstein.com slash calendar. If you're listening to this on the radio, find the podcast. All the old episodes are there. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. New videos every Tuesday and on my Instagram. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. I'm serious about that. If you have any questions you want to ask your favorite person or you want to just give me some comments or whatever, we're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, a little bit of Monica, a little bit of <laughs> Samantha, a little bit of Mona. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Jared, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and then you have the facts of life. The facts of life. <laughs>